0: Hi, this is Derek from Gotham TV Podcast. Welcome back, Gothamites. Uh, Gotham has now premiered in the UK, episode one, Damned If You Do, of season two, just premiered on Monday the 11th of January 2016. Uh, So we are finally returning to podcasting. Uh, What you'll find just after... Our little intro music is our review of Episode 1 of Gotham, Season 2. We will be returning with new episodes after we replay our first four episodes that we were able to review when we were over in New York. We just wanted to give you a big thank you to those of you that have waited for us to come back with our podcast. Uh, What we do know is that Channel 5 will be airing all 22 episodes without a break uh, for Season 2, which is awesome news. Um, We'll be back very soon, brand new episodes. If you want to send us any feedback, make sure you send your feedback on any of the episodes coming up uh, all the way through season two to feedback at gotham podcast.com in the meantime here's our original thoughts that we recorded for season two episode one of gotham damned if you do
1: this is gotham tv podcast episode 51 where we look at gotham season two episode one damned if you do <laughs>
0: Hey, this is Drew Powell. I play Butch Zine on Gotham, and you are listening to Gotham TV Podcast.
1: Welcome back, Gothamites. Welcome back, Detectives. This is Gotham TV Podcast, Episode 51, where we are looking at Season 2, the new season of Gotham, Rise of the Villains, And we are here looking at Damned If You Do, Episode 1, straight from New York, where we're here for New York Comic Con. And thank you to all um, at Fox.com for allowing us to look at these um, episodes of Gotham way, and I mean way ahead of schedule of the UK and Ireland release on Channel 5, which will be in 2016. That's right, right. yeah. (laughs) Boo-hoo. But nothing can take away from uh, New York Comic-Con at the moment, and wow, it's absolutely fantastic we will be coming to you with a podcast with all our highlights and report back from new york comic-con uh this week where we'll get to do interviews with the cast of gotham in a round table we will be at the warner brother panels that will include gotham also screenings of legends of tomorrow and um, uh, the the spin-offs from flash and arrow on the cw network um, also looking at Supergirl and all the other things in between. Um, and you can check out at Defenders TV podcast as well for all our Marvel work. but I am one of your hosts because I almost forgot that John. <laughs> I thought you'd forgotten who you
0: were. Uh, welcome everybody, yeah, delighted to have you here. I'm your other host Derek and we're back with Gotham. I was uh, kind of shocked and delighted to be able to see all the episodes of, uh, of Gotham that we've seen um, so far. As John said, we're going to be months ahead of our of our normal coverage uh, for the UK broadcast of Gotham and delighted to have these episodes. Really really looking forward to seeing The Rise of the Villains, which is what season two of Gotham is, is called. Yeah, it's
1: what it's all about yeah. the rise of the villains, and I think probably more nutty, uh, crazy villains than season one.
0: Definitely, definitely. I uh, just want to give a quick shout out and a thank you again for our intro music, which came from Mississippi McDonald's. You can find more of his music over at com. That's P I S S I mcdonaldcom It's spelled like Mississippi.
1: I think it's S double pi
0: yeah Oh, okay the other way around i you? think yeah, yeah i always get it wrong that's why they have the song to to get you to get it exactly. but yeah thanks so much to mr mcdonald for that new intro that's our intro for season two and also thanks to drew powell for recording our special new intro one of the villains has recorded a, uh, an intro to our podcast which we'll be using for season two as well so delighted about that and you can check out our interview with drew
1: powell there and um, that's Gotham TV Podcasts episode 50. You can check that out on our website along with all our season 1 coverage and everything in between that we we looked at on Gotham including San Diego Comic Con um, on GothamTVPodcast.com or search for us on GothamTVPodcast.com forward slash iTunes and subscribe there. Leave a review. And again, you can find us on any other good podcast podcast catcher just search gotham tv podcast on beyond pod podcast addicts player fm or indeed stitcher and we should hopefully pop there uh, with our feed and um, of course you can also leave thoughts feedback comments on our podcast also on season two of gotham and the episodes um at feedback at gotham tv podcast.com or on our
0: Twitter handle at Gotham TV Podcast. That's right, Joe. We've been uh, really enjoying Twitter over over the, our summer break. We've been did our thirty day countdown to, to Gotham, which had uh, images of all your favourite cast members and a little bit of a thoughts of what we thought might happen to them in season two, which is great fun. Really enjoyed that. Yeah, actually. really good. Yeah, really good. And then uh, unfortunately, at the end is when we found out how late we were going to be getting the uh, the show <laughs> over here. So uh, our countdown was a little premature for the UK and Ireland. Uh, it was like a knife in the back. It was. It was pretty. poor pretty
1: poor because <laughs> up till then it all been that it would release roughly similar time to last year which would have been a two-week delay uh from the us and then it ended up being a 200 day some delay or something and not even uh, more than two months yeah so
0: crazy yeah yeah it's a bit mental but we've got to see the episode we're delighted obviously to have seen it and uh, really enjoyable episode actually overall so if this is your first time joining us, the way we cover our episodes is we discuss a synopsis overall of the episode and then follow it with our top five points of the episode, hopefully covering off everything about this episode of Gotham Throughout, um, John, do you want to give us the synopsis of Season 2, Episode 1 of Gotham, Damned If You Do, which was written by Bruno Heller and directed by Danny Cannon? Absolutely.
1: After the gang warfare that embroiled the city, Penguin finds himself as the King of Gotham whilst Detective James Gordon quite frankly finds himself down and out in Gotham after being fired by Commissioner Loeb. Still determined to undermine Loeb, Gordon's moral compass wavers yet again, as he makes another deal with Cobblepot, who forces Loeb to reinstate Gordon as a detective, resign as Commissioner, and ultimately get replaced by Essen, who now finds herself in charge of the GCPD. Changes are also afoot in the undervalley of Gotham, as a new criminal mastermind, Theo Gallivan, played by James Frayne, and his sister and enforcer, Tabitha Gallivan, Jessica Lucas, release the inmates of Gotham, including Barbara Keane and Jerome Valeska, to wreak havoc across Gotham. Meanwhile, at Wayne Manor, Bruce and Alfred embark down the secret staircase to discover a secret room. Here, Bruce discovers much more about his father, Thomas Wayne, who, in a note left to Bruce, advises him to leave well alone the mystery behind Gotham and to choose happiness over the truth. Unless, of course,
0: he feels his calling. His true calling. So much like the pilot of season one, this episode had tons going on and it really setting up the brand new day for Gotham. And that day is the rise of the villains, really, isn't it? Oh, big time, big time. And I mean,
1: again, I think... Like, they did a great little sort of catch-up. I mean, they did a whole one-month-later thing. And to the music of Perfect Day, Mm. I just think really nicely brought everything together. You know, we see that Zaz works for Penguin. Barbara and Jerome are banged up in uh, Arkham. Jim is back in uniform, which is intriguing to Mm -hmm. begin with. And then you find out over the course of the the episodes what's happened. And obviously, then Bullock is working behind a bar, and it's not to fuel his alcohol.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Really good, really good episode, though, overall, I think. Uh, Really good uh, setup for the show. Brand new day in the city of Gotham, so uh, lots going on, obviously. So, John, do you want to kick us off with your first point? Yeah, I.
1: Loved the fact that they went straight down the staircase at Wayne Manor. You know, we're left with this fireplace moving backwards to reveal a secret entrance in Thomas Wayne's study at the end of season one. And I just absolutely love the fact that in season two, there is Bruce and Alfred going down the secret staircase, you know, very Alice in Wonderland, very mm-hmm. secret garden, you know, where they find a closed door with a keypad at the bottom and I love then their whole storyline within this episode between the two I am trying to get through that door. I think it shows the ease of um Alfred and Bruce together and the actors again that interplay between the two I absolutely loved. Um like I my this is my first point I kind of had it as blow the bloody doors off. I mean <laughs> it was just great to see you know the comedic kind of bags of fertilizer being brought into wayne manor and i love the conversation that develops between the two then in the study you know that that to and fro between the two and where it's like uh, i was going to present it as a fait accompli he says don't talk french to me Alfred says what everyone has been thinking. You don't know what dear father was up to down there. Um, you know what is down there? Is it just a wine cellar? Is it something a bit more uh, sort of uh, risque, uh, a bit uh, more dangerous? Say, um, you don't know what's down there. Thank you, Alfred, for putting that out there in the open. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, you know, Bruce comes back with, "If you're not going to help me, I'll have a cup of tea." You know, he pulls rank on him immediately. Um. And I, I do like the fact then that, you know, Alfred caves in and he says, well, you know, you're going to need 10 more bags of fertilizer. You're going to need a heavy tarpaulin and I'll put the kettle on. <laughs> so, you know, it's just a really nice playoff. And of course, um, all that interaction, all that stuff is, is great. And it leads to obviously a huge uh, reveal and moment, which is played out right at the end. Uh, which I suppose we will come to later on.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. For this scene, what I really liked was the fact that it came straight to this after all that summer of waiting that we've had. uh, It came straight to the the reveal of what is down the stairs, what is underneath Wayne Manor, I was hoping I was hoping for that. Uh, but they did push us off a little bit, they did show us that he, there was a keypad that Bruce had to enter his code into uh, to get through this door, so it wasn't as simple as they go down the stairs and find exactly what the mystery was that we were all expecting, you know, they did hold us off a little bit, So, um, but we will talk about it later on. But I love that it did lead in directly from season, the closing of Season 1.
1: It was like a Russian doll, it was a secret door... Within a secret door, within a secret door, probably. Absolutely. Um, With a letter on the keyboard, obviously, that we will talk about later. Yes.
0: What's your first case point? Uh, My first point is actually Barbara, Barbara Keane. Crazy Barbara. Oh, eh? yeah, definitely. Oh, mental babs. um. Yeah, Yeah. she's lost
1: her mind
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> so much so they put her in arkham asylum for killing her parents um but i love this new more confident barbara that we're seeing in the episode much more maniacal much more scheming uh, that we're seeing you know we saw her completely out of control throughout the season last year i think we spoke almost every episode about how much further down the spiral she's going and weirdly she seems to be quite settled in this position now. I've um, never seen a look better, actually. Yeah, the opening yeah. scene to the strains of Perfect Ava Lou Reed at the start. Looks like she's moving into a holiday camp. She's dressed <laughs> yeah. beautifully in an amazing dress. She's getting the guards to carry her bags behind her. She's wearing her sunglasses, you know. Looks like she's going on holiday. But, <laughs>
1: she uh, loves it there. Yeah, definitely. Waiter service, you know... Um, Half-bored, I think
0: it is. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed like it. And she's definitely getting some of the guys wrapped around her fingers as well pretty quickly. Yeah, making friends uh, with such savoury
1: types as Jerome, Valeska and, mm-hmm. and others. Richard Sionis. Yeah, no, I mean, I love the way she, she was really at her manipulating best in this. You could see her with Jerome mm-hmm. and obviously the thug. Guy that she says, there's my protection. Yeah. Loved that. And, but then even with Sionist, where, you know, she starts batting the eyelids and Sionist is like to the point where after they've broken out, he's saying, I'm going, I'm taking Barbara with me, none of the others. Mm -hmm. So she's made an impression. And then obviously you see her at her most sort of schizophrenic, uh, seesaw type mode where she phones Jim, says, um, I've, Made a terrible mistake. It's all a lie. Um, you know, help me, help me, Jim. And then he doesn't give her uh, any time really. And then she phones up uh, Leslie, where she says, "I hope you die soon, bitch." <laughs> like absolutely trying to go for the sympathy vote with um, with Jim, and then really revealing herself to be quite um, damaged, quite disturbed now. Uh, Barbara Keane. so really good. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I think the line actually is. Uh, I hope you die screaming, bitch, isn't it? To, oh <laughs> to yeah, Lee, yeah, sorry. You know, just, just screaming, screaming and writhing in pain.
1: They could have added as really,
0: well. b- really brutal. Poor Lee in this episode gets a bit of a uh, a bit of a taunting from Barbara. Um, but I'm really liking this version of Barbara. Uh, definitely that scene with Jerome. Uh, great to see Jerome back. I'm sure we'll talk about him a little bit more later on as well. But uh, great to see him back and great to see that that character. Uh, reappear, I think he was probably one of the most popular characters from season one um, the potential Joker still still, obviously no confirmation that this is the Joker uh, for the show, but the interaction between the two, two of them is fantastic where Jerome says to her, a girl needs a good friend in here, bad things tend to happen all the time, and that's where she just kind of snaps her fingers, finds the biggest brute in the place to come and take care of her um, for the episode, which is really good really, really enjoyed that, definitely uh, John, let me give us your second point yeah, I want to roll 2 into 1 here.
1: This is my second and third because they're slightly connected, I think. Um one is the dubious dangerous Jim Gordon that we have on offer here. Again, we see that, you know, his moral compass goes so wonky that you know, is he standing a bit too close to magnets, I think. Um like <laughs> we it's not only that he went to the penguin again for a favor, but it was what he asked him to do, which was essentially to get rid of um, Commissioner Loeb, mm-hmm. out of sight, out of mind, kind of thing. Um, you know, in some places, at some level, that would be called a coup. Yeah. Um, and in return, Penguin again ensnares him in this um, net and this web of favors that he thrives on. Um, And Jim ends up killing someone. So Jim is in a really dark place. At the one hand, he is a complete and has a complete moral compass. On the other hand, he is willing to put it to one side from time to time. But then he also has a limit where Oswald asks him essentially to go after uh, one of the nightclub owners who owes him money. And he won't do that. But then Jim goes off to collect the money from the nightclub owner following um, a conversation with Bruce Wayne, which is my third point. Um, and this is the cruel to be kind point, mm. where Bruce gives him a dose of harsh words and a, a dose of wisdom to Jim that essentially, sometimes to do something the right way, you have to go about it in an ugly way. And... Um, And he's quite personal towards Jim here. And it's my favorite part, actually, how something where you're kind of there going, you know, would Jim do this? Mm. Would he do this? He certainly would go for a favor because we saw that plenty of times in season one. Um, But will he keep on doing this? And Bruce essentially says that, you know, you came here saying you were going to clean up the GCPD, you were going to... fight for justice, you know, find the killer of my parents. And that to do all these good things, you must do something ugly. But you don't because it's your own personal honor that forbids it, that morality that he has. But that he puts to one side, and he basically says that you're sacrificing the greater good for your own personal esteem and for your vanity, you know, where Alfred then interjects on this. Mm. And this, I thought, Ultimately, it was a great scene between Bruce and Jim. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was really important for Jim's character that he was told, maybe you do need to do this favour because it ultimately leads to the right way of doing things or yeah. it leads to something better, a greater good, even though it's dubious and dangerous and grey. However, he then does go off and he does kill the nightclub owner. Mm. But it does seem to suggest that that was something that was planned, was known, that Penguin knew that this was going to play out like this. And again, it's something that Penguin has on him. So Jim, whilst I love his greyness in the sense of, you know, he's not all good and moral, he does... You know, it does go off the beaten track from time to time. Yeah, he needs to be careful who he does it with because here, Penguin—that's his forte. That's what he loves to do. We saw it in season one, and Jim will just get caught. Penguin is too good. Absolutely. And um, that was my favourite part of the episode was that conversation between Jim and, and Bruce. Yeah, Devon Lewis is great in that scene. Really, really good. Yeah. Absolutely top notch. And then to see Jim being this dangerous guy i mean you do think you can ultimately get killed by jim Mm -hmm. he is not
0: a softy in any way shape or form yeah absolutely that's one of the things i really do love about covering the dc comics universe i suppose one of the things that marvel always struggle with is their characters don't kill we've been covering some of the marvel shows and other podcasts on uh, defenders tv podcast and one of the things they kind of struggle with is that if they have someone killing someone it's it's a huge turning point for their character because Marvel superheroes don't kill. Superman doesn't kill. Batman doesn't kill because it's part of his moral code. But Jim Gordon's just a member of Gotham. If he has to kill, it's not totally against his character that he will. Except um, for the paperwork, which we saw at the start of the episode. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Uh, but yeah, I do like this that, that Jim is kind of turning quite a big corner here, really. Um, in the fact that he is, he is, he's come to the realization, I suppose, that in Gotham, um, you do have to do the wrong thing sometimes to do the right thing. Um, and I like that it's come from some guidance that he gets from the young Bruce, showing that he, that he does see that side of Gotham himself already, you know, even at, at that young age, which I just think is really interesting, but a really good point, John. Um, I'm definitely really liking this side of Jim and really liking this version of Jim. He was quite central to this episode, which he wasn't for a lot of the later parts of, of, uh, of season one, I felt. And um, they kind of pushed Jim Gordon aside a bit to have the bigger story of the ogre and the bigger story of stuff that was going on around him. But this episode was very Jim centric. I felt.
1: Yeah, it was really. It was really good, and it was good to see him back there. And it was good just to see him. Like Jim, ultimately, is quite a conflicted person. You know, he he wants to get rid of uh, Commissioner Loeb. but did he ultimately agree with how Commissioner Loeb was removed? Maybe mm. not, or maybe he was. Again. Now that he's had the greater good speech off Bruce, maybe he sees that as a, you know, any means ju- justifies the end. But will that come to haunt him as well if he goes down that route? Because ultimately, not even dare I say it, Batman would necessarily say that every single means or the worst possible means can justify some of the ends. He would always look to do the most ethical route to yeah. that sometimes it doesn't work out like that i get that but um you know jim is definitely i think a bit conflicted still
0: yeah i would think i would think maybe if bruce knew the actual favor that he was going to have to kill someone or that he did kill someone maybe bruce wouldn't have seen it as um i suppose as a the right thing to do. We saw that even though Selina Kyle killed someone that was attacking the two of them in the first season with Reggie, um, Bruce turned on her immediately and had a, had really stern words to say for Selina. Uh, he'd probably have quite stern words to, to Jim knowing that he's killed someone in the pursuit of the greater good, I suppose, as he, as he says. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting little quandary, I suppose, for the character.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it'll be interesting how it plays out for the remainder of this 22-episode season. You know, will there be some kind of um road to Damascus moment for Jim where he kind of thinks, you know, I do need to be more careful how I behave as a cop. Because, you know, you see it later where as the GCPD, as law enforcement becomes more and more um desperate to deal with the lunatics, with the Joker and that they resort to desperate measures. But at the moment this is still in the infancy. And so he should still be trying to do this by correct law enforcement. Yeah. And that's the thing. He's moving away from that very quickly. And I don't know whether it's correct to be doing that at the moment. right? Because I think desperate times, desperate measures, and you see that in some of those comics and some of those graphic novels. In the films, when you have the full-blown Joker, you've got people like Dr. Freeze. You've got... Bane, and so on. Desperate times, desperate measures, exactly. But is it desperate
0: enough that he's doing what he's doing? Yeah. Well, you see where, where good police work got him. It got him um, working as a traffic cop. That and then, is true. And then even better police work gets him uh, thrown off the force by Loeb, so he's probably found himself at a bit of a stonewall. In just the first episode, uh, he's been demoted and then fired um, for doing good police work in Gotham.
1: But does it contradict, then, everything that Bruce is pointing out to him that says, you came here saying you were going Mm -hmm. to um, clean up Gotham, change Gotham, um, change the GCPD, find his parents' killers, and... Fight for justice, order, and presumably the American way. And, you know, is he able to do that? Is he able to be essentially (laughs) (laughs) two-faced? Like, do one thing, but do it in quite devious ways and dangerous ways.
0: Yeah, he definitely can't do it with with Loeb in charge, which brings me to my next point. Um, Yeah. Yeah, kind of jumping around my points a little bit, but... uh, but yeah, my, the, the big scene for me in this episode, I'm going all villainy in this episode. I think it's something to do with this being the rise of the villains in season two. Um, but my big scene here is, uh, is Oswald and Zaz paying, paying a visit to Commissioner Loeb to, uh, to pay off that little debt they owe him. What a scene! My gosh. Uh, Oswald just, you know, confidently standing in the police commissioner's home, uh, looking for some peanut butter for his, uh, for his sandwich while Victor Zaz essentially kills, uh, loeb's two security guys, yeah cuts one of their heads off and then starts uh, playing them like a um, like a ventriloquist uh, essentially <laughs> um gosh really uh, really if 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 you didn't think the show was for adults um by some of the scenes in it uh this particular moment definitely is a bit of a, a freaky one um as as Victor's as removes someone's head uh, and plays with it in the in the apartment of of the commissioner. We're definitely seeing a big involvement here with uh, with Victors as and oswald cobblepot they now. They've now formed a new gang, essentially, taking on board Butch Gilzine, who was left kind of on his own, as you heard in our interview with them. Um, he has joined Oswald Cobblepot's side. We've also got Selena Kyle joining Oswald Cobblepot's side. Uh, and obviously Victor Zaz, who's, uh, who's abandoned Falcone, uh, and found a new master, essentially. So, uh, yeah, Oswald's really risen to power. In the th- I
1: really like that Zaz is working for penguin i love that penguin is consolidating his power mm. in gotham and i mean quite frankly not only consolidating but i mean building and building and building because to have the kahunas to go into the uh commissioner of the police department's house mm-hmm. and be quite so frank with him and again he seems to know everything he's saying hey you know you're monkishly pure and there's nothing i can hold over you except for death and i've i know everything about you you are you know one of those rare beasts he says he knows a lot he knew how to play jim gordon like a string instrument and really Mm -hmm. in relation to him going after the nightclub owner again Was that because he really needed the money from the nightclub owner or simply to get the dirt on Jim? Another file. I mean, to an extent, he's almost like a mirror of Commissioner Loeb in that information handling and keeping it all together so he can pull it and use it um, for his own gain. And I loved, absolutely loved that. But again, as well, yeah, Zaz working for the Penguin, fantastic. I mean, even with firing the gun into the head of some guy who thought he had just sworn fealty and allegiance to mm. Penguin, um, and then gets a bullet through the head from Victor Zazz. And I'm really excited to see how Victor Zazz develops, how Anthony Carrigan plays plays him here, because I loved him in season one, and... I'm kind of liking the manicness that's coming out even more so so far in just this episode.
0: Yeah. So really can't wait to see that. Yeah, Definitely, I do have one question though on this on this particular scene with Oswald and Zaz and Loeb. I'm wondering why Oswald didn't go after Miriam, uh, Loeb's daughter or Loeb's Cobblepot, as we found out in uh, everyone has a Cobblepot in the first season. Why didn't he go after Miriam and and uh, and bring her back and expose Loeb as being the as being the father of the. Who killed his wife? I suppose isn't, it? isn't that the, that's the big secret. I'm uh, Wondering why he didn't go that way. I think he just tends to like the violence really. Now I think so. Tends to tends to like to hold a, a gun over someone's head rather than a secret. Uh, in, in this case, um, which I thought was quite interesting. But
1: but I think that leads me on to my fourth point, which is ultimately that the result of all this is that we see Commissioner Essent, which is fantastic. Absolutely, absolutely. Loved Captain Essen in season one. She really grew in in that character, really given the air time, really good. And now at the end of it, she becomes Commissioner Essen. And, you know, it's all really looking up because, I mean, you know, it's a new day, Jim, she says to him. We're going to do great things together. And that is so good to hear. Look, I know a ton of inmates had just escaped from Arkham, and that was the that was the bad news. You know, the good news, bad news sandwich. Mm-hmm. That was the bad news. And um, of course, it's not going to last. But I can't wait to see how these two interact and and, and work together. Commissioner Essen and now uh, Detective James Gordon reinstated. He's gotten his favor from the Penguin. it will be interesting to see how or if that bites him on the ass. At a future date.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm loving the interplay between these two characters. Love them in season one. The fact that Sarah Aston was the one that always had Jim Gordon's back. In the comic books the character is quite central to Jim's storyline. She's the one that he cheats on his wife with, essentially. in some of the earlier some of the earlier books. Um so I'm really I'm really liking the fact that he finally has someone in the commissioner's office to to have his back really. Um, you know, he's been struggling against Loeb all the way throughout season one. Uh, since the first time you met him. And now we see the two of them hopefully working side by side on this new day for Gotham. So that's going to be really interesting to watch, definitely.
1: Yeah. What's your next
0: case point? Uh, my next case point is Zardon. Zardon. Zardon the Soul Reaper. Yes, really interesting. Yeah. Uh, what a character. What a, what a weird one. Uh, sometime during my second rewatch of, uh, of Gotham, uh, <laughs> during, during uh, the summer break, uh, when it was on Netflix, when I was just watching it back to back, uh, for a while, I kind of came to a realization that I kind of misunderstood some of season one of Gotham. Weird to say for a podcaster, I know. Um, I'd watched the episodes quite seriously, I think, uh, throughout season one and hadn't really gotten the comedy elements as much as I got them the second or third or fourth rewatch of the show, there is a lot of elements of the show that feel like something out of Batman 66. So it's, it's understandable. Yeah. It is a prequel to everything Batman. Um Now we know. So I, I
1: we- think that's why there's the big bag of fertilizer, even though fertilizer doesn't come in bags of that size. Mm-hmm. And if it does, it's probably destined for the army. Uh, I love that. The fact that Barbara Keane... Is walking into Arkham Asylum as though she's about to walk into a holiday resort. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then, yeah, Zardon, um, two A's, absolutely thought to begin with. Oh my God, what is this character? Because mm-hmm. obviously there's the new big bad in, in Theo Gallivan giving him some kind of vial, but it's like of, of some blue substance yeah. to drink, and then he goes on a rampage. It's right? Dragon's
0: blood, John. And it's I'm dragon's like,
1: blood. <laughs> oh what is going on here and I was getting flashbacks is... <laughs> to Balloon Man really um, and some of the scenes and then it's just so funny how he plays out over the course of this episode with in the cell
0: and yeah really good yeah absolutely uh, but I want to kind of make an apology to our listeners I suppose if we've taken the show a bit too seriously in season one and missed out some of the more comedy elements because there are tons
1: keep with moving this... ginger <laughs> but this particular <laughs> <little> character <laughs> is
0: totally totally a character that I thought was uh was a great, a great fun little moment for the show. It does harken back to some of the other fun elements. It was a very heavy episode this week, trying to get through a lot of plot lines, having Jim Gordon be a killer and stuff, you know, but having this character of Zardon, as you say, two A's calling Gordon um, to, uh, to to try and show him a bit of mercy. I thought it was really good fun, actually. Really, really enjoyed it. Again, having him uh, drink the dragon's blood potion that Theo Galavan gives him, and that potion seeps out of him while he's falling asleep. You see the gas coming out of his mouth, and then later on, that's what's used to break the Arkham inmates out of prison is the gas is released, knocking them all out. Um, it's hilarious yeah. in its plotline. It is something absolutely taken from 1966. This Batman. is our Batman 66 moment
1: and yes. for for this episode, Definitely.
0: ultimately. Definitely. really is. So I want to assure you listeners that I'll be looking out for more of those as we go through the season uh, this time.
1: But yeah. there is still something serious or quite poignant moments that are brought into to Gotham as well. And I suppose if you want the dark night moment that um I would have picked is most definitely the note from Thomas Wayne to Bruce Absolutely. left in to the Batcave, into the study in the Batcave that they've just blown the doors off. You know, hugely like funny, great dialogue moments between Alfred and Bruce, mm-hmm. moving to a really um serious moment. I mean I love the expression on Alfred and Bruce's when they blow the doors off. I mean, it is kind of like this joyful glee of of um, creative destruction. Mm-hmm. But they move in, and even down to the music, the music here suddenly changes and feels very Dark Knight, uh I think. And yeah, it seemed like there was almost
0: a sample taken from the Dark Knight music, uh, to, from the soundtrack, and added to the more, um, I suppose, the more dour Gotham theme that we have. Uh, there's a different Gotham theme they use in some of the more serious moments. And this they seem to meld them quite well together. It seems like a really good callback to the Dark Knight.
1: But then there's this note from Thomas Wayne, which uh, basically is a letter from beyond the grave to his son. Mm. Really poignant moment. And um, really stating that you can't have both happiness and the truth. You have to choose. Basically saying that he chose his and his wife's and his son's happiness. But um, he goes, I beg you to choose happiness unless you feel a calling, a true calling. Like really good stuff, really important stuff within the canon Mm -hmm. of of Batman and Gotham. uh, Really, really interesting. And I just think this is my fifth point, obviously, Mm -hmm. and it's really, really a great part of this episode
0: this week yeah yeah it's a a nice little call forward to dark knight rises where bruce obviously chooses the path of happiness at the end of that spoilers if you haven't seen it but i presume you have (laughs) um and also a nice little nice little touch to the comic books at the moment where this is definitely a bit of a spoiler where bruce has actually hung up the cape for a while to choose (gasps) the path of happiness at the moment in the comic books which is quite interesting yeah um, that they're kind of referencing those elements really really good and guess what else is very cool about Zardon, John? What? This could be our little touch to uh, the Court of Owls as well. Um, in the Court of Owls, the leading members of the uh, of institutions across Gotham are using one person to go out and wreak vengeance and havoc on the city of Gotham. Yes. Which is uh-huh. the Talon. Which is the Talon. So I wonder if Zardon is Zardone a little precursor to the Talon of, uh, of the Court of Owls.
1: Maybe, yeah, very funny one, but a hilarious version of it.
0: Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> What's just... your next point and final point? So my final point is the Arkham Gang because I really enjoyed them. Yeah, I must say again, a really, really cool. Um, we we saw characters getting taken out uh, episode after episode throughout season one, uh, and you kind of wondered where the ones that weren't being killed were going to. Um, there were a lot kind of left over at the end of uh, at the end of season one. We had the electrocutioner. We had. Obviously, Richard Sionis, uh, who was the Mask, who were still left alive at the end of season one. And now we find that a couple of them have made their way to Arkham Asylum. Uh, really good to see Richard Sionis back for the short time he was there. <laughs> really good to have the, those kind of characters coming back. Really helps to flesh out the city, I feel, when you have a character that's um, that's been in an episode, one standalone episode, and then they come back for a little uh, a little cameo or a good, you know, pretty long Sequence of scenes here. I thought he was going to last really, Um, but as Theo Galavan proves, there can't be two leaders within the within this new Arkham gang. Um, So unfortunately, he does lose his life here. Um, Pretty sadly, unfortunately, that he's uh, that he's not around for very long. But we do get the reveal of Jerome and see that Jerome Velasca, who was mental in the first season of uh, of Gotham, is. Moved to Arkham Asylum, and is just as crazy now. Uh, I think this character is fantastic. I love Cameron Monaghan's portrayal of really Jerome. agree, Completely really really agree. good. And I was definitely getting a really good Jack Nicholson vibe off him in this episode, much more so than any of the other versions of uh, of the Joker that we've seen in the past. Um, this version of Jerome seems to at least be a big fan of jack nicholson uh in some of his roles in the past <laughs> so uh i think that's where he's getting a lot of his uh mannerisms and a lot of the way he does things uh really excited to see uh, now that he's back on the streets of gotham excited to see where jerome goes
1: yeah i really like uh jerome's mannerism i love how he comes across i love the moving between sort of quite a a a, a scurry face to a smile to a laugh and so on. And obviously one of the things here is he's really looking out for where. Power is. Mm -hmm. So in Arkham he's he's hooked in with Sionis. But he's ready to ditch Sionis in an instant as soon as Galavan offers him that kind of rousing speech in his penthouse Mm -hmm. um of his own building after he's been broken out of Arkham, which is you know, a group of outlaws working as a team in Gotham, you know, Gotham would tremble. I see brilliance, charisma, I see power, you know, whereas the world sees lunatics. Really, kind of um, pampering to to their egos. Oh,
0: absolutely! And Jerome is loving it. And I read a really interesting interview with Cameron Monaghan, plays Jerome, where he was saying that he was wondering why his. Um, why his neighbours didn't get him thrown out of his apartment because he spent two or three months preparing for the role just shouting at himself in a mirror and laughing at himself in a mirror uh, for days and days and days on end. I just thought it was quite interesting that he put that much work into it. You can really see it. The character is fantastic. Really, really enjoy him. Um, And then we have Dustin Ybarra, who's a comedian, um, plays one of the other background roles. I think we're going to get to see him a bit more next time. He's one of the other six that are released. Uh, and we have the Big Ape, I suppose. The guy that uh, the guy that Barbara um, got as her protection is also taken as part of the member of this six person crew, um, which we'll see in next week's episode, I believe.
1: Definitely, I'm looking
0: forward to that. Uh, that's our that's my points for the episode, John. You uh, you finished on your points? Uh, do you have any notes for this episode? I do I have a few notes. Basically, we see Bullock working behind a bar. He's no longer with the
1: GCPD. Mm-hmm. He's left the GCPD. We see that he was demoted, like. Uh, Jim was by Commissioner Loeb but unlike Jim he decided I'm not sticking this out he works behind a bar his alcoholism is long gone since he left the GCPD and he seems in a happy place and we mm-hmm. get a really good moment where he's wiping the bar down lifts the head of some punter who has been there all night and um, just to drop it back down onto the counter of, of the bar like really good um, there's still the relationship there. Jim obviously still keeps in touch. We see him going there to, to drink away um, his sorrows, uh, which is what Bullock would have done yep. previously. So,
0: really good to see Bullock here. And um, will that be us in when we're over? It.
1: Maybe, absolutely.
0: Mm.
1: Of course, it will be.
0: <laughs> on Saturday. We'll
1: have to recreate uh, Bullock uh, and, and a drunk punter on a bar.
0: Yeah, we're just going to pretend we're doing a scene from Gotham.
1: <laughs> For everyone who's wondering, what the hell are these people talking about? We will be at Tynanog, um, in New York this weekend, Saturday, um, from between seven thirty to eight. We'll be arriving, and um, so it's a Gotham TV podcast get together. If you're around, if you want to join in, come on over, yeah. and we will um have a few pints of the
0: black stuff. Fine. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Anyway, uh, you're right though. That is a, that is a fantastic scene. It's great to see Harvey back. It's great to see he's what such a central character, you know. Um, great to hear that he's off the drink. He's got a woman that doesn't hate him, which I loved his little line there. And he sleeps through the night as well. Really good, uh, really good scene. Really good. Yeah, for it'll be for interesting
1: to see how much of him we get to see, given that he is no longer with the GCPD, or even to see how long that'll last for.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. You know? uh, any other notes? The only other one that I have is I just love the brief look at Ed Nigma and his alter ego, the Riddler, in the mirror. I just thought, really good. I love the difference between the two. I love the fact that as Ed Nigma walks away from the mirror, there stands and remains the Riddler in the mirror looking confident, oh, yes. really confident. You know, he's going, we need more fun and starts talking about Christina Kringle you know, in a way that Enigma does not enjoy, does mm-hmm. not like. Um, that I really liked. Um, I can't wait to see how they develop the Riddler through this season. You know, with that sort of bipolar, schizophrenic look. Yeah. Um, great use of the mirror motif for for representing that. And as I say, in particular, as he walks away, that there he is, still standing, looking out, mm-hmm. talking to Enigma in a disparaging tone. Loved it. Great. Yeah.
0: It must be great for Corey Michael Smith as well to be able to play those two parts because there is a very distinct difference between the two characters. Um, the, the Riddler in the mirror is quite, a, I suppose, a good-looking, confident kind of chap, but Enigma still seems very um, very kind of... Uh, very creepy, or very um, turned in on himself. Uh, yeah, the difference
1: is really nicely yeah. drawn between the two, which mm-hmm. you really see as well. Yeah, and um, it's, it's like the Riddler seems much broader, and mm-hmm. um, as you say, much more confident, much more upright. Uh, and then you, you switch to Enigma he seems as much more hunched and much more drawn in the face. Really good, definitely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Derek, have you got any case notes?
0: Uh, I do, yeah. Um, I loved Love's retirement party. One of my favorite little other funny moments of the episode was the, uh, the barbershop, Cor- barbershop quartet singing, uh, so long, auf Home. Um, thought it was fantastic. <laughs> nice little, uh, nice little moment. Uh, and our introduction to the Galavans, uh, as well. Definitely. We talked a little bit about them, but, um, but Theo Galavan says he's an adopted son of Gotham, but he's grown to love it. So obviously new to the city, himself and a sister coming in to fill maybe a void that was left behind by uh, by some of the the mafia leaders that were running away or pushed off a bridge or shot in the head um at the end of last season.
1: Or all of the above. Or all of the above, yeah, exactly.
0: Um, uh, Jessica Lucas, who plays Tap the Galavan, we didn't see very much of her in this episode, but I do love that she has her whip as her weapon of choice, the fact that she's the one that kills Richard Sionis pretty brutally with a whip around the neck, pulls him down and then stabs him in the face. Um, Definitely yeah. a pretty brutal one. Skin tight, jumpsuit, whip, gas mask, You know? Hey, it's a combination fit for a a super villain, really, isn't it? Absolutely.
1: Very reminiscent of Catwoman. And she is known as the Tigress Mm -hmm. as well. So maybe becomes
0: um, an absolute inspiration for the young Selina kind. Yeah, I'd be shocked if she doesn't really. Must have some connection with Selina, shouldn't she? Um, But overall, John, what did you think of this episode? I really liked it. I thought it was a good, solid
1: introduction to season two. Really brought everything together from the end of Season 1 and started to set things up, I mean, to some extent for what we're going to see in Season 2. So, I mean, the next few episodes, I think, will really start to flesh that out and to expand on what's been brought here in um, the first episode of Season 2. So I would give this four Batarangs being plucked out of the air with a whip. I also find. Very good. Very good. <laughs>
0: yeah. And for me, I think it's a really good return to form again. Really good t- to see the show back. Really. Yeah, it's not definitely. a return to form. I've just been watching all the episodes back to back on Netflix. So it just feels like a brand new episode to watch. Really good. But, um, still a little bit of imbalance in the, in the episode with, uh, with, you know, the comedy moments balancing with people getting their head taken off. Um, <laughs> you know, it's quite a, quite a, a difficult balance to do, but I've done a pretty good job. I'm really excited to see the rest of the season. We've got another 21 episodes to go. So delighted about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Can't wait for um, our next episode, which we will be tuning into
0: very shortly whilst
1: we're here in New York.
0: Exactly. Now to the feedback for this week's episode. Fascinating. Fascinating. Points well made, I think. So we got some more feedback in from Natalie, who uh, sent some feedback that we read out on episode 50, our Drew Powell interview, uh, where she had some thoughts about what was going to happen on season Two of Gotham. She starts out in her feedback this week with the premiere of Gotham now aired in the States. I can say that I was wrong in my guesses. First up, Captain Essen. She is still with the GCPD at the end of the premiere, but not in the ways I would guessed. And one John did not name in his speculation. Uh, the writers pleasantly surprised me with how they got her to vacate her position.
1: Yeah, I mean, I basically, I think, guessed or thought that, you know, how was um Captain... Barnes, gonna, who's played by Michael Chickless, how was he gonna replace Captain Essence? Did this mean she died? That she left? That, um, she turned into a, a, an evil, cackling kind of, uh, (laughs) villain in Rise of the Villains for this season? I did not guess, and I I am too very pleasantly surprised. (laughs) I am very presently surprised. Sorry, I am very pleasantly surprised that. She was promoted of all of the things she was promoted. That's brilliant. I'm really pleased that this happened. Yeah. Um, and that basically, you know, in comes Captain Barnes to take on her role. Yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting to see the dynamic between the two of them. Really, really good.
0: Definitely. Definitely. Um Natalie goes on to say, "Yeah, uh, Team Galavan turning into the Royal Flush Gang plus a certain Joker, which is one of the suggestions she had in last week's episode. Uh, it says, um I jumped the gun on that one a little bit. Galavan makes his offer to all six inmates, but but one, not Jerome or Babs, refuses, leaving five. That still leaves enough for a poker hand, of course, but having the Joker as a six-man felt a bit cleaner to her. Um... Also, after spending a bit more time with the inma- inmates than the, than in the trailers, uh, I'm not sensing the proper group di- dynamics being set up yet. Jerome and Barbara are, sta- are standing out. I predict both will break away from the pack one way or another, possibly together. So a little bit of a different take on, on what uh, Natalie had said to us last time uh, about the Royal Flush Gang being possibly what happened with the Arkham inmates who joined up together. But um, I like that idea so much from mm-hmm. Natalie, that yeah. I'm still...
1: I'm still holding out that maybe the Royal Flush Gang is the name for this group. Because we have uh, Galavan say here, you know, this team who will wreak havoc upon Gotham. Mm -hmm. So it's still possible that maybe it could be the Royal Flush Gang. I think that would be a really nice little um, and a neat way of, of bringing the Joker in through this gang. And maybe combining it with some kind of Red Hood element. Because, again, as I said in um, our 50th episode, I really liked how the Red Hood element was played out in Season 1, this Mm -hmm. idea that anyone, anything could be the Red Hood, and all these different people that could or could not be the Joker, I thought was a really nice way. I mean, maybe the writers didn't mean it, but that's how I took it, and I thought that was really good, yeah. really, really good. And so I'm kind of hoping that they combine both these elements because I, I think this sounds smart, this sound neat, it sounds that it's dealing with the canon really well by having that. But yeah. so you know.
0: Natalie, I've still got my fingers crossed. Yep. Definitely. And Natalie, slightly on the same side as well. She says that the part where Jerome gets his Joker name from some playing card themed group, a lot of the Royal Flush Gang, still perfectly valid, of course. Uh, it's just looking a little less likely to happen here. Um, frankly, now would be a bit too early anyway for her. Uh, better that Joker and Batman emerge with those names in parallel at the end of the show's run. Um, I agree. I do like that idea that, uh, that it comes from a playing card, but I hope that it's going to be a little bit later on in the show. Again, if Jerome is the Joker, um, it's looking quite likely. He's definitely got a, a flavor of the Joker to him, um, but he's very close to, to being the Joker for the show. Um, and finally, a little bit of a, a little bit of nice compliment from, uh, from Natalie. She says, um, your in-depth analysis was great fun last season, even with the three-week lag. You caught things I missed or forgot. I like your style. Passionate about the show without being excitable or overly energetic. Easy to listen to aside from my American ears trying to parse your Irish and English accents. <laughs> Thanks very much for Thank that, Thank you Matthew. so much, Natalie. It's really nice. Thank I you. bet you didn't expect that we'd be doing uh, the first episode of season two uh, as quickly as we have, uh, given that Gatham and Five are not going to be broadcasting the show until 2016. Absolutely. Because she does go on to say, I shall now go to Radio
1: Silence until you lads review an actual episode or guess something that I get to tease you about being spot on or horribly wrong. <laughs> um, you know, and definitely it's gonna be a bit of a roller coaster because whilst we're here in New York we're gonna try and catch up um as much as we can and I think we're probably gonna be able to get about five episodes in um which will take us to the Monday after the end of um of New York Comic Con. Yeah, that's right. Hopefully, hopefully, we're going to
0: cross our fingers. Or should I say,
1: not the Monday, the Monday after the Monday after New York Comic Con. And that
0: we'll be able to get five episodes in, yeah. two of which we'll be able to watch uh, live. Yeah, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, we're going to cross our fingers anyway. Uh, Natalie signs off with one of your American fans, but sadly not one who's going to be at New York Comic Con to meet you. Oh, boo. Sorry about that, Natalie. Just make sure you do follow us on gotham tv podcast on on twitter or go to our facebook group we'll be posting tons of photographs hopefully um on instagram on facebook on twitter uh, from our experience in new york comic-con we will be doing a very special new york comic-con episode which as john already mentioned will include some interviews with the cast members of gotham that we're going to be meeting in new york this week really excited yeah, about that. i'm
1: really excited about that and um, remember as well that if you are at new york comic-con if you're in new york but not at new york comic-con um, we will be at Tin Tiernanog from 7.30 to 8 o'clock uh, in the evening. Starting from that time, but yeah. we will be
0: having a few drinks, so we will be there a bit longer than that. Yeah. We just expect that we won't get there until about, about half seven, eight o'clock.
1: We certainly won't be in, in the uh, half seven in the morning yes. uh, through to eight o'clock at night. Um, it will be <laughs> from 7.30 uh, in the evening at Og, an Irish pub, no less. You're getting so good at pressing and, um, that. Scary. Yeah, yeah,
0: very good. Very good,
1: hopefully. Um It's on 39th Street. You can go to our website, www.gothamtvpodcast.com, and look for our f- top events for New York Comic-Con 2015. In the news section uh, and events... Go there, check it out. We've we've put in um, a little Google Map link there from uh, the Javits Center in Hell's Kitchen mm-hmm. to Tynanog. It's very close to there. It's only about a ten-minute walk, I think. Exactly, and yeah. um, it has its own website, so you can search it. Tynanog, close to um,
0: the Javits Center. And if you're checking out the website, just make sure it's the right Tiernanog. It is the one on 39th Street because there is another Tynanog, a sister um sister bar to this one that is closed down at the moment so don't go there and <laughs> go to the right tier in oak um on 39th street full details will be on our website i'll make sure it's in the show notes as well but uh thank you very much for listening to our coverage of the first episode of gotham season two episode one or gotham rise of the villains episode one it was really good yeah we'll be back um very soon with
1: um both new york comic-con coverage um 2015 and also episode two. Uh, We are trying to get as much Gotham crammed in in our visit over to the US Mm -hmm. as possible, Um, and we will be releasing those um, as we uh, record them. Of course, again, please subscribe to us, leave a review on www.gothamtvpodcast.com forward slash iTunes. Every review, every subscription um, helps, um, and we will pop almost like magic, into your iTunes feed uh, every time we release one. And again, search Gotham TV Podcast on any other good podcast catcher as well.
0: BeyondPod, Podcast Addict, Player FM... Or stitcher. But for now, back to Fox on Demand for season two, episode two Absolutely. of Gotham. This is great. We're binge watching this again as well. Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you so much for for joining us,
1: and um, thank you for the feedback, Natalie. Remember, please send in your feedback, and um, if you have any thoughts or comments on the show or the podcast, at feedback at Gotham TV podcast or via the Facebook page, or via Twitter. Um, and we will be more than happy to share it on Gotham TV Podcast. Thank you so much for listening again. From New York, yee <laughs> <laughs> From New York, thank you. And we will speak to you next time. Bye. Yeah. Thank you again. Bye now.
0: for being a Butch supporter. Butch
1: loves you, baby. I am, too, very pleasantly (laughs) surprised. I am very presently surprised. I am very pleasantly surprised. (laughs) Oh, my God. I am very (laughs) pleasantly surprised. Pause and just say I'm just, like, keep dying. (laughs) I am very presently surprised. (laughs) Sorry, I am very pleasantly surprised that She was promoted. Of all the things, she was promoted. That's brilliant. I'm really pleased that this happened. Yeah.
0: (laughs) This has been a Flickering Myth Podcast Network production. For more information, head over to flickeringmyth.com for more shows like it. Find this show in iTunes by searching for the podcast name and head over to youtube.com forward slash flickering myth to subscribe to the Flickering Myth movie show. We'll see you on the next podcast. Take care. Bye-bye.